Welcome to Broad and Fry, the cricket podcast riding giddily on the wave of euphoria that is currently sweeping England, Wales, and indeed the parts of Ireland where Owen Morgan's friends and family reside. Have you ever, ladies and gentlemen, seen a match like it? I know that Stuart was as insanely excited about that match as I was, as I saw your Twitter feed, Stuart. Um, it was an incredible day, wasn't it? Oh, it was just outrageous. It was uh, it was a pleasure to be a fan of the England cricket team. Wasn't well, cricket in general, I suppose, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've had emotions like that. Well, I definitely haven't had emotions like that playing. It was just incredible nerves to to watch on the TV and, and be in the Nottinghamshire change room and the celebrations were just incredible at the end of it. Oh, weren't they? Weren't they? Imagine what it was like though for the players, imagine especially for the hero of the hour, for Ben Stokes. Can you imagine that? Well, no I can't, but uh, we don't need to imagine it because we can ask him. Ben, are you there? How you going guys? You good? Oh, Ben Stokes himself! <laughs> oh my goodness, it's wonderful to talk to you, Ben. Uh, on behalf of the nation, of course, an enormous Thank you. I'm sure Stuart has a million questions and the public have a million questions and we'll get round to as many of them as we can. Stuart, you start, because you know Ben. You've well, I've seen your face when Ben's taken a catch off your bowling. <laughs> <laughs> well, just being on FaceTime with him now, I'm sort of... I want to know how much sleep you've had in the last four days. Um, oh, last The last three days, I think, are probably 10, 11, uh, 10, 11 hours sleep is, is all I managed to get, so... I'm paying for winning the, the World Cup, um, sat here speaking to you guys. <laughs> Take us into the, uh, into the changing room, the, the night that trophy was in there into Lords. Was it, I'm assuming some champagne was being sprayed and some drinks were being had, but just there must have been so much relief, first of all, that the game was over and we'd come over on the right, the right side lifting the trophy, but also so much elation. Yeah, look, you know... Um, you know what it's like after winning games. You know that there's everyone who wants to speak to you. There's media who wants to get the reaction from from the players straight away. So it actually took a long time for all the players to eventually be able to get together and get up into the changing rooms. Um, so when everybody got together, it was just like it was just screaming, it was shouting. Um, yeah. Beers were everywhere, champagne was everywhere. <laughs> we didn't really know what to do. We were literally like school kids. Fantastic. And um, just a quick, obvious question is, how aware were you towards the end of the innings of the rules governing the super over uh, and so on? Did, <laughs> did, did you have to be reminded or told? Well, I had to actually ask the umpire in the actual game if we get one here, is it a super over? Because there was a little bit of confusion out there, actually, and I don't think anyone knows this, but Vincey, James Vince came up and said, I think if we get one, we win because Colin Munro, I think, had also said that to him. So he then relayed that message to me, and then I was like, nah, I'm not taking that risk. So I had to go up and ask. <laughs> I said, and I think the umpire knew exactly what I was going to ask, and he sort of cut me halfway through my question. He said, yeah, it's a super over. Um, so that's as far as my cricket knowledge went, as, as far as that. So I'm assuming, did you, you, you must have spoken to Woody, who was at the other end of that final ball, and said, we've got to scramble too, in, in yeah. any way, shape or form. Eh? Yeah, I just said, look, I'm going to... Because I've said I, I did not want to try and be you know the, the hero who hits the ball out of the ground for six and risk getting caught because if we didn't get one run at least we we wouldn't have won so I was just ensuring that we got one run yeah. and if everything you know if I hit the ball in the gap like I was trying to and we got two we win but I just said get your running boots on you know if you have to bring your horse out and jump on that if you really want to. <laughs> his famous horse um, <laughs> so yeah he knew what he had to do and um, unfortunately I just managed to hit it straight to the fielder. 
There was but, some great footage of you uh, you kicking your bat, actually. Yeah. Uh, Second time the, in two games that Lords have done that now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of the but, extraordinary yeah, ironies, the poetic symmetry of the thing, was that you needed 15 runs from that over, and it was exactly 15 runs that you got from the super over, which was just as if the cricketing gods were preparing to make it even more extraordinary than it had, than it had already been. Um, uh, it's... I mean, cricket, I mean, finals, you know, they just seem to make great um, sporting games. You know, it's amazing how many times around, you know, not just in international cricket, but, you know, it's the IPL cricket, Big Bash cricket. Finals just always seem to make the best games. And you're not getting any better than that. I don't ever. I want to ask, uh, I want to ask Stokesy if nipping ahead of Stephen. You looked, I mean, I know you're one of the fittest players I've played with. You train incredibly, particularly over the last two years. You looked exhausted at the end of, of that 50 overs. Was When you got back in the change room, was there a discussion on whether you'd go out again, whether you were too tired, etc.? Because obviously the England side's full of blazing strikers of the ball, but you're 80 not out and you're in the, in the battle, so to speak. Um, look, I, I initially went into the changing rooms and I, I thought we were going to send out Jason Roy and Joss Butler. Um, and Morg said, and then I, Mog said, no, nah, we want you because you're in. And I was like, no, nah, Jason, J-Roy, because you know what Joss can do. J-Roy's in the form of his life. Yeah. Um, but then he said, no, nah, we need a left-hander because of the short side on one side. And yeah. the wind was blowing that way. So I was like, right, OK. Um, so I literally had to go and give myself five minutes just to get my head back in the game because I was so angry at myself after walking off. Oh, um, angry at yourself? Good Lord. Yeah. yeah. That's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. <laughs> Yeah. Of course, the event, <laughs> the event that everybody's been talking about is the, uh, the freakish um, six runs formed from a, from a two and a, uh, um, four overthrows off, off, your, off your prone bat. Uh, you were immediately put your arms up to apologise, which was very classy because uh, it's extraordinary that your head was enough together even to know what was going on because it's a rare occurrence, this, isn't it? But you instantly knew... And it's tradition, I gather, or etiquette for batsmen not to run off such a circumstance if, because they're considered slightly unfair, freakish runs. You didn't have the choice because it went to the boundary. And that's why you put both arms up in apology. And so you were instantly aware of what had gone on. Yeah, obviously I, I dove and I felt the ball hit the bat, but I didn't have had any idea where the ball had gone. I just heard the crowd erupt. And then when I eventually seen de Grondholm running after the ball, I was like, oh, like... I think my first, obviously, natural reaction after I, I, I seen it running away down the hill, and you don't stop a ball on the Lord's outfield. So it was just like, oh, I'm like, I'm so sorry that <laughs> that's happened. And there's nothing else I could. It's have done. an absolute free. It's a one in a million, isn't it? Like you, you could give Martin Guptill that ball a thousand times yeah. to throw from the same spot, and there's no way he's hitting your bat. No, never. And it's, I mean, it's written in the stars for. For England to win the World Cup when things like that happen, you know, Trent Bolt standing on the boundary, that happening, yeah, um, yeah. extraordinary, and um, uh, oh, huge uh, applause to New Zealand uh, that the press have picked up on it and everybody's picked up on it. All cricket lovers, they they took the defeat really well. If if if, if it had been the other way round, we would have been. We know how hurt we would have been. All our fans and you as players would have. It would have seemed like a deep injustice and an unfairness but they they're a very classy outfit aren't they of all the teams they seem the most likable yeah i think um new zealand are, are, are probably you know in the top 
two teams that you play against in terms of the quality that the game brings and the the type of blokes that they are. Mm. Um, they're a great bunch of players and they're led by a brilliant man in Kane Williamson who's not just a fantastic player, but I think he's um, you know he's an amazing advert for the game in the way that he plays, the way he goes about his cricket. Yeah. Um, and he's, there's just nothing to him. He's, he's a cricketer and he's so lightly spoken there's no arrogance about the bloke whatsoever and how we handled that to um you know smile pretty much the whole yeah. way through you know the end of it was testament to to who he is as a bloke um and you know if there was another team if there was another team to pick um to win the world cup and it wasn't england it would definitely be new zealand yeah, yeah. Have you, are your mum and dad over in england or have they been in new zealand no nah, they were in christchurch watching yes because we have to remind our listeners you are a, a kiwi born yeah. Uh, so, not surprising you would have liked New Zealand at least to have come second. Uh, <laughs> was there any uh, any grief from your papa? Did he did, did he say damn you or was he too <laughs> pleased for you? No, nah, my mum and dad they've been carrying on like they they've been part of the team. The amount of interviews they've been doing. I t- actually had to say to them, I said, "Who's actually won the World Cup? Was it was it me and the team or was it you?" <laughs> They're laughing it up, laughing it up. So, I mean, I think we can all say that, you know, whatever we expected of this great festival of cricket, we, we, we were surprised by the nature of the games. I think we, we all thought there'd be maybe a 400 scored quite early on. And um, in fact, uh, uh, it wasn't the case. There was, it was much tighter. The, the, the bowlers uh, held sway for a lot of the games, particularly towards the end, of course. Some tight matches, some surprises. But the mixture of thrilling cricket unbelievable last minute result and sportsmanship has lifted this tournament up and lifted cricket up in the eyes of fans all over the world I don't think we could have imagined a better result do you I think you know it was almost like old school cricket you know like take cricket back 15 years and that's almost how this World Cup's been played out the um, well you know the 270s 280s were almost match winning scores um and you know that's not something that this england team especially have been used to doing yeah. you know we're used to scoring these big totals 350 400 um so i think you know as as viewers have been watching they've been um treated to some absolute classics of you know proper proper old school cricket which everyone likes have you uh, have you been surprised by the adulation of the country i mean i was on the tube yesterday and uh, there was a paper had you on the front page and the back page, and I almost felt like going, "I know him, I know him." It feels like the country. Um, I bet you weren't saying I know him two years ago when I was on the front page, were you? <laughs> we we were feels, being so delicate it, about that then. <laughs> it feels like the the whole country has celebrated with the team, which mu- I mean, you must not have felt anything like that before. The, like the power of the country behind the team. I don't think we properly really understood how we managed to affect the country until we got down to the Oval the day after we won. Because mm-hmm. that in itself was like, that sent goosebumps down all of us, like just saying, wow, look all these people have turned out yeah. to come and like, you know, congratulate us who want our autographs, who, who just want to say hi. And then you see all the videos of people celebrating, you know, in Trafalgar Square, in cricket clubs and pubs. Yeah. People saying they don't even like cricket, but they've been absolutely, you know, glued to the TV the whole day. It's like, you know, we we did that. I don't think we actually knew what what we 
what we did for the for the people in England. No, I can only remember in my long long life, 1981, the uh, ashes, the Botham's ashes, as they're always called, and and 2005. Um, I mean, some other wonderful moments in in subsequent tournaments, but in terms of just a nation being utterly gripped, it's extraordinary. And Ben, your own contribution not just to that match but um, I'm trying to remember 79 89 another 80 scored um, I mean you have shown a, a real sort of classy determination and when you first came on the scene everyone said oh that he's a he's a he's a game changer he's like like both of them he can get people out with a rank full toss and a, or a long hop and and but also you you can bat with, with, with extraordinary abandon but you batted so responsibly during this tournament. You 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 came in often when when you were needed to be much more of a of an anchor role than than, than the cavalier swatter of the ball left and right. And uh, was that a, a, a conscious awareness, um, or is it just part of growing up as a cricketer over the years? You you you, you fit your style to what's needed at the time. I think batting it five in the one day team where I do, it's I it's one or the other. It's either go out and you've got to you know, you've got 15 balls to get yourself in and then you've got to go or it's you need to dig in here and, you know, get through as much of the hard work. Yeah. And it's um, and I think being exposed to the, those different um, situations over the last four years has helped me um, not put pressure on myself when either situation comes around. Yeah. Um, so I know how to play both roles a lot easier than I did, you know, say four or five years ago because I've been... Um, put in so many of them over the last four years in different conditions um, you know different stages of the game um, so I think that's massively helped Brilliant I must say to our listeners in case you can hear Moe and Ali's name being shouted behind you or fireworks going off I'm actually at Trent Bridge <laughs> watching uh, Nottinghamshire Worcestershire so that's the reason for the noise but should we just throw <laughs> it forward a little bit Stokesy obviously you're not playing the island test does that mean you're just having a rest at at home obviously well hopefully you don't have any injuries leading into the ashes and and obviously looking forward to an amazing series ahead yeah um you know what trevor's like he's he's pretty keen for for players to have rest when he feels like it's needed um and obviously it's been you know not just a hectic summer so far but the last year and a half has just been full of cricket um and we've got a massive series coming up against australia um and to be honest i feel like i need a week rest as well um, I need a week at home um, you need the batteries recharged and um, you know the only place I feel that really can happen properly is spent at home in your own bed you know with your family so um, you know it was a pretty easy decision to make to um, you know to have that week off over the island test um, but I'll still be training and stuff like that but it's just you know being at home massively recharges everything yeah. absolutely yeah I mean obviously it it seems unfair to almost be moving on from the World Cup so soon, with but that's how the international cricket circuit works, isn't <laughs> it? With such a, a massive series like an Ashes series straight away. I mean, we all know the mental and physical strain those series can have, but you must be really excited for it. Yeah, and um, you know that's where I said at the start. You know, it's actually quite sad that it's over, but um, you know, when things don't go so well in series and stuff like that, you know, it's all about how you come back from that. And it's the same, I feel like, when you do, you know, when you have a brilliant series, there's always another one which is, you know, you're going to be remembered for, I guess. So you've got to swipe everything under the carpet, whether it's good or bad, and just make sure that you're completely on it and, 
um, ready for, for what's ahead of you. And what's ahead of you are, uh, is, is a white, white outfit and, and a red cricket ball. And is, yeah. is, is, is it an easy switch to make after this incredibly intense period of playing white ball cricket and 50 over cricket to, to turn to the extraordinary nature of the potential five, five day game? Do you, do, you, do you just sort of, is that part of what the, the week at home, week or so at home will, will give you the ability to kind of change gear? Yeah, I think you know. There's, uh, in terms of skills-wise, the probably the hardest thing to to get back into doing is bowling because the red ball swings and the white ball does nothing. Um, so getting used to that again, batting, I don't I don't think as hard because, especially for me, because I just try and take the same things into white ball cricket as I do with the red ball, and my basics are pretty much the same. But it's the bowling that sort of you know is going to be harder to to figure out. I think again purely just because of the way that the red ball moves. Stuart will give you a hand, he'll give you a few tips. <laughs> Bowling, I hope, not batting. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, you've, um, you've proved your heroism not just on the cricket field, but also as a, a class act and a real gentleman talking to the press and even to us when all you want to do is go home and relax. So we're going to let you go now with our deepest thanks. Thanks for coming along. No thanks, worries, Lexi. thanks, guys. Cheers for having me. Loved it. Bye-bye. And we'll uh, catch up with the rest of you after these messages. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Well, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. (sighs) Well, there are a few more things to talk about in terms of the World Cup. It's not as if we can ever really close it because it'll always be living in our brains. But... um, Really, there were no there were no false notes as far as the England team's concerned, Stuart. Were they? Everybody played their part. I mean, I know that's an awful cliche, but it is true. Every single player in that squad had their great moment, didn't they? Well, I think that's that. What it was, what makes it so special, really, in the fact that every player had a match-winning or a match-defining moment, and and uh, I think it was only Stokesy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Who didn't score? A hundred in the yep. World Cup out of the out of the out of the batsmen. So, and he obviously had huge key moments with a couple of eighties and then the final. So, that shows an amazing um, dovetailing, I suppose, yeah. and, and making sure that players can deliver at the right times because that's what that's what cricket is. I remember my first Ashes series in two thousand and nine. We, as a team, as an England team, we didn't have any of the leading run scorers, none of the leading wicket takers. We just won the brilliant moments. Yeah. Uh, and in this World Cup, the England side won those brilliant moments. Um, I think Roy and Bairstow's opening partnership has been magical for a long time, but yeah. got them off to some brilliant starts. I mean, that final would have been so different if Jason Roy was given out first ball. Oh, LBW. Good. That would have um, that yeah. that would have been. I mean, look at Coley in the semi-final. Yeah. Was probably less out than that, wasn't yes. it? Really. It, it, so it was that's a, the abs- an umpire's call by millimeters. 
that's how cricket can work. But you, I, I actually, to be in that changing room with the World Cup on the on the Lord's bench, <laughs> having looking around this, looking around the room, knowing that every single player has played their part wonderfully to win that trophy, it must be an incredible oh, feeling for that group. Completely so. Yeah, and, and do you remember that our very first episode of this uh, podcast series? We talked about Jofra Archer not even knowing he was going to be picked. And he was one yeah, of the real heroes of the entire tournament. Uh, all the other countries, everybody looked at him and admired him and saw what a, an extraordinary prospect to say he's a prospect. He's already in a finished article, really, but he must surely get even better. Oh, he's wonderful, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think to, to want for a better phrase... What balls he showed in that yeah. super over! It's, yeah. uh, oh. To be able to to be able to have the pressure of the nation like that. I mean, you don't think about that as a sportsman. You don't think about that when you get the ball. You're not thinking who's watching on telly or no. or the pressures and the celebrations around the country, around the world in a World Cup. You just think about delivering your skill. But that was very impressive to to deliver the, the balls like he did. Yeah, one went out the ground with Nisham sort of sweeping a, a knuckleball for yeah. six. Um, but the vital delivery, that sixth delivery, well, seventh after the slightly dodgy wide, um, that, that, that seventh delivery to, to nail a leg stump Yorker and cramp Martin Guptill has just walked to the crease at Trent Bridge, actually, uh, for room, was, showed incredible uh, nerve. Yeah. Uh, and... That's going to stand him in amazing stead. He's probably never going to be under more pressure in, in his cricketing career, is he? No, because you, our, you, our hero today, Ben Stokes, after all, let's not forget, he had a, a, an appalling time in the T20 final when he had to bowl the final over to Carlos Brathwaite and went yeah, for successive sixes. And, uh, and he did, but you, as a cricketer, I've spent years as a youngster, teenager in the back garden going, this catches for the World Cup. Or yes. you know, yes. throwing it against a wall and trying to catch it. This one's for the World Cup, and then uh, yeah, this ball's for the World Cup. You got to hit a six to win the World Cup. All that sort of thing. Well, Joffre Archer actually had that, that moment. Real life. This ball's for the World Cup, um, which not many people can can ever say. And he's he's now sort of wonderfully stepped into the the status where he's being rested from a test match when he's never even played a test match. So he's got to an amazing, <laughs> he's got to a great level um, and deservedly so because he's, he's bowled beautifully in this World Cup. He's shown he's a, a natural wicket taker and I have zero doubts he'll be a success in test cricket as well. Yeah. And um, just on the subject of the tournament itself, were you aware of the super over rule? Did you know also that in the event of a tied tie, in other words, after a tie and after a tied super over, that the win would be awarded to the side that had scored the most boundaries? Or did you no, think, as I, I did, that no. it would actually be the wickets? And I assumed England would... When I saw that, you know, well, it's, if it's going to be equal, we're, um, we're all our wickets are down. We're 241 all out. They were 241 for eight. Surely they'll win. But then the commentators told me what the real rules were. And my goodness, if I'd been a New Zealander, I would have been hacked off, wouldn't you? Well, the first thing to say 
probably the people who made those rules were sat in a room would never ever have dreamt that the World Cup final would come down to that ruling. They'd probably had 15 cups of coffee, gone through a thousand rules and this was the last one to tick off and it was like, oh God, yeah, just do it on boundaries, that'll be fine. Yeah, um, yeah they thought but, they were sort of helping make it an entertaining tournament because that would sort of push the boundary rate up and reward the the, the flair of the the, the the batting side. But, yeah, you're right. They, they can't have imagined it would ever come to that. In hindsight, it would have been an amazing spectacle just to have another Super Over, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, just? So, I do, I do feel for New Zealand. Blimey, my sister's oh. a, a Kiwi. She was born in Takapuna mm. in Auckland, so she always... She always uh, supports like the All Blacks in the rugby and stuff, and and she was saying that, you know, they, I mean, they took it so gracefully, but they've they've drawn, they've tied the fifty over game, they've tied the super over, yet they've lost the World Cup. <laughs> um, so it seems slightly unfair that just because you're batting second means you've got to score one more run in those six balls. Because actually, one run in six balls is quite a lot. But yeah. uh, I, if I was making the rules, I would just go right. It's another super over. If you've been out in the super over, you're not allowed back in. Very good. And someone and someone different to bowl. Yeah. Oh. A bit like a penalty shootout. That, exactly, exactly. And of course, one of the things about cricket is it's, it, it tells you so much about culture and society and people and the attitude as well as, you know, the nature of the game itself. And I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on a previous episode, but when I was uh, filming the, the Hobbit, the Peter Jackson film, The Hobbit was all shot in New Zealand, of course, as, as his films are. Um, and uh, I was doing some favour f- for him and it involved meeting an Australian off a plane who was going to give me some equipment that I was giving to, to Peter to, to help him with his editing process. So I, I met this Australian off the plane who gave me the stuff and then out of politeness I had a cup of coffee with him because he was immediately turning around and going back and he chatted about the difference between Australia and New Zealand and he said, you know, what do you make of, of New Zealand? And I said, well, it's a beautiful country, it's stunning. I said, I've just had to spend a week in the South Island and around, you know, around Queenstown. I mean, it's just the most beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. What, what about the people? I said, the people are so nice, so nice, I said. And there was a pause and he said, yeah, don't you think they're too nice? And I think only an Australian would say someone was too nice. And that has typified Australian cricket. It's never been too nice. You know, they know how to put a foot on the throat. Um, But New Zealanders are nice, and yet they show that nice guys can also have incredible persistence and an extraordinary ability. They were considered by everybody to be the the weakest of the the four sides to go into into the final stage of the competition. But in fact... They have an amazing steely strength and, and ability to, to use the tools they've got brilliantly, don't you think? I mean, an admirable side. Yeah, it was really interesting what Stokes said earlier, wasn't it? Obviously, he was born in, in New Zealand. His family still live there. But he was saying they're, they're in his sort of top couple of sides to play against, just as spirit of cricket and the way they go about things. And um, they've been a credit to, to international cricket for... A few mm. years now. I mean, the way they they got to the final in 2015 was uh, spectacular. Yeah. Um, this was probably less spectacular in a sense of the the style of cricket, yeah. but they just they knew how to get the job done at certain times. And um, quite, I mean, I, I was obviously jumping for joy like most England fans when when England won. But you can't help but feel for them oh. because they got so close, and it really was freakish what happened. Yeah. And, and you know, in the wider context, and cr- cricket is, uh, allows wider context in, in that sense, in the same way we can 
celebrate the story of Afghanistan and their, uh, this war-torn country and their entry into world cricket is a storybook uh, uh, narrative in its, its own way. And also New Zealand with the Christchurch earthquake and then the, the horror of the mosque massacres um, uh, and, and the, the sort of dignified spirit of, of, of their prime minister and, and the way she responded to that. You know, they've earned the admiration of the world for all kinds of reasons, this little country. They happen historically to be the first democracy to have given women the vote, for example. Um, that there's, there's, there's a lot going on in that little place. And as we know, in rugby, they are still unassailable. Yeah, there is. And it, I mean, it's, it's credit to the country. I mean, the All Blacks probably sum the the country up don't they the mm. way they go about their business the the esteem they're held in by not just New Zealanders but the rest of the world of, of sport they are the the pinnacle of sports teams aren't they yeah um, so it's yeah I really do feel for them and uh, look I think Stokes right if, if England didn't win the World Cup it would have been amazing for New Zealand to do it because they were underdogs at the start Kane Williamson comes across as an absolute diamond of a of a person and a captain doesn't he and yeah, um, yeah I, I'm delighted as an England fan that England won the World Cup but but I think New Zealand's stock has has risen incredibly as a, as a cricket team yeah and you can say of both finalists the teams that knew how to how to win in the way and at the time they needed to Australia and India many people may think were more sort of eye-catching sides but when it came down to it, we knew how to win and New Zealand knew how to win. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's tournament play, isn't it? Yeah. That is tournament play. That's, that's what it's all about. And that's, I mean, Australia have been historically the best in the world for, of doing that for years. They, they know how to turn up in, in World Cups. And for a long time in this World Cup, it looked like they were going to do it again, didn't it? It did. Um, and uh, talking of Australia, I think we should now look forward rather than back. We've got an Ashes summer as well as a World Cup summer. Usually an ashy summer is enough to make me think that uh, you could, you know, never have a better uh, sporting time. But on top of a World Cup, it's just fantastic, isn't it? And you are going to be involved. So you're training now. Yeah, it's a, it's a great time for cricket, isn't it? I think to, to have such a, a highlight of winning the World Cup like that and maybe getting different people interested in, in cricket, to then go into an Ashes series, which from my point of view as a Red Bull cricketer, is the absolute pinnacle. Uh, we can drag some new fans into this game and some people playing the game and, and some real interest with, a, with an exciting Ashes series, can't we? I mean, we all know the, the rivalry and the history of, of England versus Australia. Uh, but to, to jump on the, the wave being ridden by English cricket at the moment is, is spectacular. So, yeah, we meet up on Saturday morning at um, a secret location. Um, which is St George's Park. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll all make it. Um, flash mob, <laughs> flash mob. <laughs> um, so yeah, we meet up as a squad uh, just to get together, really, for the weekend to to do a bit of fielding, to to map out some plans for for the rest of the summer for yeah. for a swap of captaincy. You know, for for o. Morgan to pass over to to Joe Root for another hunt of trophies um, and. That quickly finishes, really, and we move down to London on Sunday night because the Ireland Test match, which still feels weird for me to say, starts on a Wednesday yes, instead of a so Thursday. Which 
You're playing Ireland at Lords, uh, starting on a Wednesday. It's one test match. It's uh, yeah, one test match, a four-day test match. Uh, mm. So that's Wednesday to Saturday, which will be an amazing spectacle. Actually, I, I've bumped into a few Irish people who are, are really excited about coming to Lords and, and supporting the the nation, uh, playing at that special place. So mm. that will be a that'll be a brilliant test match. I think it's very very important that. We treat that as a one-off test match as a team and we don't think that in any way, shape or form that's preparation for Australia. Right. Because exactly. it's, it's a test match. Yeah, you've that's unfair on Ireland, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You, you've got to win test matches and Ireland are, will be a tough team. They've got a lot of players that have delivered in the international arena and on the county circuit for a long, long period of time. So that will be a, a separate week to the Ashes. That will be very focused on making sure we... We get it right there, and then and then we move on to to Edgbaston, and um, yeah, yeah it's, uh, I'm not even going to talk about that right now because, as I say, my mind is on Ireland, but it's uh, <laughs> it, it's a great prospect. And Edgbaston is quite a ground. Uh, uh, we've we're in the tournament, uh, in the World Cup tournament, it, it proved a fantastic battleground. Um, the Australians, though, will have plenty. Uh, to motivate them, they, they they don't want to have had a, a useless summer, do they? They, 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 you know, they don't want to go home having felt like they've failed. They will be, they will be redoubling their efforts to to make their road trip, as it were, worthwhile. Yeah, of course, of course they will. They came to win the World Cup. Mm. Um, there's no doubt about that. I don't know what they'll be doing now. Actually, I don't know if they'll have ventured home or or having a bit of a break in in Europe. I'm not sure, but they'll want to recharge and refresh and and reset their targets. And their new target will be to take that Ashes and, and home with them from the Oval. I mean, yeah. Australia haven't won the Ashes in England since 2001, I think. Remember famously Steve Waugh scoring runs? And, um, yeah. It's uh, actually a bit of a random story, but I saw Steve Waugh in Notting Hill the other day, just walking around, I was really? having a coffee, and I, I had a proper fan moment. I didn't sort of go, oh, hi, Steve, nice to see you. I just went, that's Steve Waugh. <laughs> <laughs> and did you speak to him? I didn't. That was too shy. Oh, stupid. How embarrassing is that? And I've met him before. There you go. Um, I think that's so touching. That's absolutely fantastic. The only thing that came out of my mouth, that's Steve Waugh. So, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, look, Australia will be be very, very focused on on winning this Ashes series. We've seen Justin Langer looks like um, the sort of coach that motivates his players well. Um, and and we, England have got to be at the top of their game for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got time for a couple of questions actually. Oh, uh, excellent! Stephen, if, uh, I think this one's actually quite quite relevant. As I was having a little moan, wasn't I, last week about not being able to watch the World Cup final and hoping for a rest day in county cricket? A question from Barney: Should rest days be brought back into Test cricket? Which um, it's a good question. In fact, I was. I say desperate for a rest day for the World Cup final, but I don't know what what year did rest days finish. I've certainly never played with with a rest day. I remember. I think I mentioned this last time when when I started watching Test cricket. It, it always began on a Thursday, and you had three days: Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Rest day on Sunday, and then Monday and Tuesday, which showed how how sort of <laughs> hidebound and uh, an old fashioned cricket was. The idea that you well, give up for, a Sunday, it, which was a, it, a day it when was you for beefy both of them to to get a barbecue out and give the opposition some red wine, wasn't it? 
Basically, that's, that's what it became. And the Headingley test famously finished on Tuesday in 1981. So it changed at some point towards the 90s, mid, mid or late 90s, I think. They started experimenting with different start days. And now, uh, obviously, it goes in theory for five days in a row. But when was the last day, the last test match, when we actually went to a fifth day? Because what's your view about actually cutting them short? I know some people believe that five days is unnecessary because of the way people bat now and uh, the, just the nature of the, the, the changing game. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I think I, I'm a big fan of, of five-day cricket. I like having that fifth day. It doesn't necessarily have, mean you have to go to the fifth mm. day, but I think that's what makes Thursday starts quite important because then the fifth day is a Monday. Uh, and if you start on a Wednesday, the fifth day is a Sunday, you're missing out on a... a a day where people aren't at work and they can come and support the cricket on a Sunday. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I like five-day cricket, and I, I don't see the need for a rest day. Do you, I mean, in the in your world, in the acting world, is there is there a set sort of rest you get over certain days of recording? Or well, with with TV drama, for example, uh, you tend to do what are called eleven-day fortnights. That means you do um, five solid days of filming and then a full weekend of Saturday and Sunday. And then the next weekend, you do six days. You do Monday to Saturday with only the Sunday off. And then you alternate. So you, have, you alternate between a, a one-day weekend and a two-day. They're called 11-day fortnights because that's what they are. And, and that's because television is a greedy thing and you've just got so many pages to cover every day that, uh, and there isn't enough budget usually. And so you just have to, and I'm not that I'm complaining, you have to, uh, you have to work all, all, all the daylight hours that there are virtually. Um, but very few people in the acting side of it are, are wanted every single hour and every single day. It's, you know, even in you know, something like Doctor Who, Doctor Who's not in every scene or, or whatever it might be. Um, so, but it's the, the technical crew that have to work every, every day. So. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one wouldn't give it up. You know, it's not as if it's like work, really. I mean, it's, it's hard and it's intense, just as sport is, but you wouldn't trade it for any other form of activity, would you? I mean, you're not going no. to win friends by moaning. <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, we've got a nice question here. Where's the most picturesque place you've played or watched cricket for me? But I'm going to flip that to you and say, where's the most picturesque place you've filmed i mean new zealand must be up there if you've been over there yeah new zealand is absolutely stunning um in documentary terms i've been lucky enough to go all around america every single state of the union and well i mean obviously there's the the the, the huge and remarkable things like the grand canyon but alaska to me i think was the most beautiful partly because I was surprised that it was beautiful. I kind of thought it would just be icy wastes or scrubby bits of bare rock with cold winds whistling around. In fact, it's just the most stunning landscapes I've ever seen, I think, are Alaska. Um, and cricket grounds, I'd say Adelaide is rather pretty, and uh, or, or not as a town, it's pretty, and it has lots of beautiful cricket grounds. The actual Adelaide Oval is pretty straightforward and good cricket ground, but... Nothing special. Worcester is probably the prettiest of the British ones, don't you think? With a, a, a tree and everything. Well, I mean, it is pretty, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm on level three at Trent Bridge watching a T20, full house at Trent Bridge at the moment, and this is pretty special. This yeah. has got a wonderful view. But my favourite to, to play in, um, picturesque-wise, is Newlands in Cape Town. Oh, yeah. uh, it's, 
it's got an aura when you're in the middle of of beauty you know there's something amazing about those South African grounds where they've just got the grass banks and people are just relaxing and you know sunbathing and and chilling out on them and then you look the other side and table mountains in full flow so it's yes. probably the most spectacular place I've I've played uh, but I've actually not watched cricket there and of course um, there are beautiful grounds all over the cricket playing countries so you can go to New Zealand or Australia or, 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 or the West Indies or England obviously and see village greens and uh, places where people play that are just so stunning and there is no real cricket it's it's uh, you know I used to get annoyed by the people who said proper cricket must be played in you know on a green you know cricket on coconut mats on beaches is is can be as stunning as any other form of cricket don't you think yeah of course I mean uh, some of the some of the most fun I've had watching cricket actually is in the Caribbean um you know when the waves just break and roll in and go mm -hmm. out and then beach cricket the ball fizzes off the off the sand and yeah. you get groups of of adults and kids just joining in on one big game. I actually had an amazing game of cricket um, in the Whit Sundays in, in Australia on... on um, Hamilton Island, was it? Island. Uh, it was the it was Whit Sundays Beach, I think it was actually. Oh, Whitehaven, Whitehaven oh, Beach. Yeah. And uh, we got a boat over there and there was just a group of six people playing cricket. And we ended up just having, me and my friend just joined in and we ended up having, you know, six a side game and it was just the best hours cricket I've had well second best hours cricket after Trent Bridge 8 for 15 I've had I think <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> cricket is a bit like food it has different variations with some spicy and some more kind of uh, nursery food you know it, it's a it, it's a game that goes around the world and uh, there are so many different versions I love the idea of your playing there uh, in, in that, uh, under those circumstances, in the Whitson Islands on the Barrier Reef, and people have played up mountains, and they will play it everywhere. And let's hope that one of the glories of this uh, this tournament, this World Cup, is that there are there are young people, young girls and boys who have been watching that, who in eighteen, nineteen, twenty years' time, we will be celebrating in the way we've celebrated Ben Stokes, our guest, and the rest of the England team. No, exactly. I mean, I, I saw Josh Butler post a picture yesterday of of him with the world cup 20 years ago so that was such a special the 99 world cup he had a picture with his brother uh, and they had, they replicated that picture on sunday so i thought that was exactly what cricket's about isn't it yeah um he's gone from aspiring to be a world cup winner to being one and that's uh that's awesome but um i mean that is Stumps, Stephen. Today we've we've had a great podcast there, haven't we? We've yeah. demolished the stumps like Joss Butler did to win us the World Cup. <laughs> exactly, wondrous. Well, go forward and train hard, train hard, Stuart. And uh, England awaits your next contribution. Um, and we'll sure, catch up for our next episode. And thank everybody for listening. And remember, if you have questions for us, all you have to do on social media is include the hashtag Broad and Fry. So thank you, Stuart, and thank you everybody for listening. Good. Thank you.